You know how David says, you know, better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. That's what he's talking about. (laughs) It's not just, you know, we think of the house of the Lord as being when we gather. The house is here. And it's when we gather. He's building us as his dwelling place and to abide in his presence (laughs) is eternal life, is it not? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Hmm. I want to just, in this moment, which is so special and is so much what he's doing in us individually and together, I want to thank you for, on behalf of Chris and myself, for the support and the love, the praying, the fasting, the incredible love that has been shown us by this community. Um, we have been completely overwhelmed. Um, and it's a precious thing that it's not about us, it's not about an illness, it's about him and what he's building and this beautiful oneness and togetherness that he's giving us opportunity to burst forth out out of us because of, of this inner work. So um, we just wanted to take the, take the time at the, at the start of this to, to just thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, this, this message is really something that is it's based around a, um, a passage in scripture that has um, been um, livened to me for probably two years now. And I'm not, there's so, so much of in it. I'm going to really home in on about three or four verses. And my prayer is that we would be able to receive his love today, that we would be able to receive his words spoken from this incredibly tender heart of his into our heart. Because um, when we receive that, it it is uh, the propulsion into his ways and his life. And um, that's what's shown in this passage. So the, the scripture is in Hosea, which is kind of at the back of the Old Testament. It's a little wee um, prophet. Um, and it's in chapter 2 of that. Um, I would encourage you to read the whole of the Hosea. It's a pretty challenging book. Um, and in fact, chapter two is very challenging. Um, but what I would like to go to is um, Hosea two fourteen to sixteen. Therefore, behold, this is the Lord speaking. 
Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly into her heart. There I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Achor, or troubling, to be for her a door of hope and expectation. And she will sing there and respond as in the days of her youth, and as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. In that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, you will no longer call me my master. So when we see, I remember someone saying, when you see a therefore, ask, what is it therefore? And we have to do this because we have no context by reading just those, those verses there. So I'm just going to go back one verse. If you really want to get a picture, you need to read from the beginning of the book. But in the, the verse before, it says, She went after her lover's but me she forgot, declares the Lord. She went after her lovers, but me she forgot. He's talking to an adulterous wife who has rejected her husband and who has filled her life and provided for herself through um, prostitution. And this is a picture that was laid out by God to the prophet Hosea. God gave him instructions to marry a prostitute because he was living out and wanted Hosea to live out and to be able to speak to his living reality as a picture, a prophetic picture of Israel at the time. So I just want to, as you can see, this is a big subject. I'm not going there. (laughs) But I'm going to this first verse. We've got him looking at and declaring the state of this woman. And... What do we expect him to say? I mean, what I would expect someone to say if they're talking about their wife, who has just, they've just declared everything that they are involved in, I would expect him to say, therefore, I am now going to forget her. She's forgotten me. I'm going to forget her. I would expect him to say, I'm now going to reject her. I'm going to abandon her. I'm never going to look for her again. Right? Let's see what he says. Therefore, I will allure her and speak tenderly to her heart. Do you see the heart of our Father? His response is not in any way dependent on our behavior or our heart towards him. That's profound. You know, not only does he speak this, and we see this demonstrated all the way through, 
But there's this beautiful verse in Romans 5.1. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is us. We're in this picture. You know, in the story in Hosea, the very first thing that he does is to assure of his love. Isn't that amazing? He draws her into the wilderness. And I won't go into all that, but I think the simplest way to think of it is that he's drawing her away from the flurry, from the distractions, from the other lovers. And he needs a quiet place to speak to us. We don't always hear him in the raucous of things. He pulls us away into a place. Last Sunday morning, he was alluring us. He was speaking tenderly to our heart. Individually, the Holy Spirit into individual hearts, into us as a community, pouring out his love, pouring out his presence. Beautiful thing. Isn't it amazing that he speaks into the very depths of our being? He doesn't speak a whole lot of words and knowledge, understand this, understand this. He says, I will speak tenderly to her heart. Our heart is where everything of life comes out of. Yeah? Seat of our being. The the place where all understanding and life comes out of our heart. So he speaks into that core. And he speaks tenderly and he speaks of his love right into the core of who we are. Not into, I love you, I love you, understand that I love you, understand, try and understand, grasp it, that I love you. It's not that. We, we can't do that. He comes by his breath and he speaks tenderly into our heart. This is his ways. You know, the amazing thing is that we just need to turn and listen. We don't even have to get ourselves right to listen. (laughs) That's the very point. We can't. It's his words that set us free. But we turn and his words, and they come into our heart. You know, the adulterous wife, she just simply got fed up. She got fed up with nothing working her way anymore. That was why she turned. She decided to turn back to her husband because all the other things were drying up. And she thought, I'd, I'd be better going back there because this is getting really crap now. 
You see, God, in his love and pursuit of her, actually engineered things in her life to bring her to that point. You read it, it's incredible. He causes things to be dried up, to call her out, to call her out of that which wasn't life, that which was sucking everything from her, that was promising so much, but was not life. So why does he call us? What's the purpose of it? Is it just to say, I love you, I love you, you just keep doing what you're doing, and I just love you? Or is it to get us to turn and come into the very essence of the life that he is in? To call us out from what we think is life, what we know as, as it's the only thing we know and understand. And he does this beautiful thing, and sometimes all hell breaks loose here for the very reason that he wants us to get so fed up that we'll turn. See, this is love. <laughs> this, is, this is love that pursues, that never gives up, that always believes, that is patient and kind and endures So we often don't even realize that there's another way, that there's another life. Or maybe we have an inkling, yes, there is another way, but then we're trying to get there our own method, and we end up in this religious emptiness. Really interesting when you look at this woman. There were lots of religious festivals going on. God's ways are not our ways. And he starts and speaks in our heart first. You know, God produces life with his words, with his breath. He's the one that made everything by his word. Read Genesis 1, read John 1. Everything that was made was made by his word. All of his words are prophetic. They call what is future into now to bring us into that life which is in him alone. I'm going to say that again. All his words are prophetic. Calling what is future into the now to bring us into that life that is in him alone. See how he needs to speak tenderly into our heart to bring life. The other thing that we can see just with this small little phrase, and we see right throughout the scriptures, is that his words are propelled by his tender word his tender heart, right? No matter what they sound like. So they might sound harsh. They might sound gentle. 
So don't get confused with tender words being gentle, there, there words. Tender words come from a tender heart of love that is remaining that place, is faithful, is not turning away. But it can come as a rebuke. It can come as a, an exhortation. It can come as a discipline. It can come as a cutting to bring us out from that which is holding us down and into life. But it's always, always, always propelled by this tender heart of his. And we must know that in us because there's, in our natural selves, there's this potential to shrink back from words that sound like a rebuke. We, we get filled with fear because we don't know him enough yet. We don't know this love. Yeah? And that, I think, is why we need to hear this story today. That's what he's wanting to do, that we would know this without, without a shadow of a doubt. Not hear, but that he's spoken this into our hearts. We start to see when we stop and we listen. And he speaks these words into our heart. We start to see through his eyes of his love. So when we are hearing him through his word, wherever it is, no longer are we, oh, I'm not going to read that. You know, we are seeing his love through it. This is something that he has shown me because I used to be the sort that would read a passage and oh, I really don't want to go into that. I will just put that aside. You know, Hebrews 12 about his discipline. Revelation 3 about um, Christ coming to the churches and saying, you say you are this, but this is the truth. It was like, because I didn't have a revelation of his love in my heart. So I was like, oh, he's rejecting me. Do you see how it happens? We take, we take a discipline as a rejection, and yet he could have rejected her, but he does exactly the opposite. This is my God, and I know him to be this so now I, I welcome and love his discipline. I love those things where he cuts in because he brings me into freedom and life through it. And it, I see it as propelled by his love. And it enables me to, to walk the journey and to grow and to allow whatever it is that he needs to say to me to be said and to be received and welcomed because I'm seeing it and receiving it as from this tender heart of love. It frees you. It frees you so much. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. In, in um, John 6, talking about the power of these words to bring us into life, um, we've got 
this passage in, in John 6 and, and Jesus has fed the 5,000 and he's revealing himself as the bread of life, the very essence of and substance of what we feed from, right? And there's some stuff in there that he says and there's a whole lot of people that don't understand it and say it's too hard and they walk away. Because, you see, they're not receiving the word in, in their heart. They're receiving it here, and they can't understand it. They can't figure it out. So that's too hard. Just two verses in, in verse 63. This is Christ saying, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and our life. In, in verse 68, you'll know this. All the people are going away and Jesus turns to his disciples and says, are you going to go away as well? Simon Peter doesn't understand the words the same as everybody else didn't understand the words. But he understood one thing. He understood the way that God releases his life through the words. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. Do you see how important it is that we can get over ourselves? <laughs> you know, um, if we don't understand, do we turn away? Or do we say, I don't understand, but you have the words of eternal life. There is no other source but Christ that is that I'm going to come into what I don't understand now. Do you see what I'm saying? This is why it's, it's a walk of faith. If we understood it, it wouldn't be a walk of faith. It wouldn't be a relationship. All of this comes into this beautiful picture in Hosea that there's this turning away, turning to, and the start of it is this being allured by him and having his words spoken tenderly into our heart in the wilderness. This, this is where it all starts, and, and, and in fact, it's the place of the, of the developing relationship. And everything in Christ comes through this beautiful relationship. It was always intended to be. It's not a series of rules that we learn and um, obey. It, it's always been his design that he walked with us. And this is what's unfolding in this beautiful scriptures. So he speaks tenderly in order to bring her into his life. And this, this has got so many aspects to it, but I want to touch on just four today that I see him unfolding to, to this lady. And, and I have seen him unfolding in my heart um, more and more. And in this community, I hear him pulling us into this. The first is peace. Um, if we go back to um, Hosea 2.15, it says, There I will give her her vineyards. Now, you probably think, well, what's that got to do with peace? But if you look earlier, as I've mentioned before, she had a lot of other things beforehand. And... Um, she actually was um, 
boasting about her vines and her fig trees that she had received as payment from her lovers. So all her supplies were being met, thank you very much, her vines and her fig trees. And it says God ruins her vines and fig trees. Interesting, eh? This is the drying up. Why? Because he doesn't want her to live in vines. He wants to give her vineyards. Do you see? It's so much beyond this little a, a bit here and a bit there that you might survive, but the source could run out any day. You see what I mean? The, the, the essence of life is trying to grab it off things and the external, and there's never enough. And I'm always running around, and you've, you see her before she actually turns, and she's busy trying to find her way to her lover's. How can I bring my supply back in? She's frantic. There is no peace. <laughs> and she turns and he talks to her tenderly in her heart in this place of wilderness and he gives her vineyards in the wilderness. Do vineyards normally grow in the wilderness? They don't, do they? So he is making what is impossible in the natural is her supply. He is her supply. It's never ending. And vineyards are symbolic of a number of things that I'm not going to go into, but one strong thing that really speaks of this is a settled, peaceful life. He is giving her her vineyards. Now, straight away, we're thinking, oh, that's great, settled, peaceful life. I can just sit down and everything's going to be sweet as. That's what settled, peaceful life means. Well, can I put another thought out there? Could it instead mean the flourishing and stable peace that is Christ himself in the midst of any wilderness, trial or hardship. An inexplainable peace in times and situations where there is naturally only anxiety to be found. That is far greater. That is our testimony of the last years. It's under pressure that he gives you this opportunity to see what it is that he can supply peace in the midst of the storm. Remember, we were talking about Jesus asleep in the boat in the storm and how I was longing for that and asking for that. It's beautiful. This is what he's supplying in the midst of stuff that, <laughs> you know, all the known supplies are running out and yet there's vineyards in the wilderness. It's not dependent on a work income anymore. 
It's not dependent on the known sources. Wow! This is beautiful. And the peace that's there when you're faced with whatever people are saying, that just stays there. It's just like this calm pool that's in there that's not going, what am I going to do, what am I going to do? It's just like, what is that? What is it when I see him, Chris, in the midst of the most agonizing pain in hospital when things have got worse, not better? And he comes in and he is asking after the nurse's well-being and my well-being. He's spaced out on all these drugs, but this love comes out of him. And he is at peace, and I'm seeing it in the midst of this excruciating agony that he's in. That can't come from another source. And that gives this sense of settledness. Because you're not afraid of anything. You're not afraid of the next bad thing that might happen. You know, it's not all going to come and fall down. The world's collapsing because X, Y, and Z has changed. Do you see what I mean? Because of this that he's building on the inside. And it's not, it's not, it sounds airy fairy, but it's not. Let me tell you why. Because I've got to go, skip, sorry. Ah, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire, and he set my foot on a... Who's the rock? Okay, so if I'm in a slimy pit and I'm in the miry clay, to me, that's the slippery ways of over here. That's the relying on my own strength, relying on my own provision. That's my struggling to be good enough. That's the slimy pit. It's independence and doing my thing and, and feeding myself and giving myself to all these things. And he lifted me up out of that and set my foot, not on another slippery place, but on a rock. Now, the rock is not airy-fairy. The rock is a person. The rock is the great I am. The rock is Jesus Christ himself, who was and is and will always be. He is a person. He is not a thing. He is not a philosophy. He's not a theory out there. He is a living being. And to be placed on him is security, is stability, is settledness. Beautiful. So in the process, we walk. I... (laughs) was sharing, I had been sharing with some people in one of the places I work, one of the schools, um, various things that have been happening and um, with Chris. And one of the ladies said, 
man, this must be such a stressful time for you. And I suddenly thought, no, no, it's actually, no, <laughs> I'm, I don't feel stressed. I, I just have a peace. I said, I'm, God is in control of all this. And she said, oh, do you just trust God? And I said, yes, but I have to walk it out. You know, it's every day there's decisions to be made. But who is there is the paraclete that I can ask? Who's the, who's the one who's the counsellor? And I say, do I go for this job? Do I? No. Oh, this opens up. Do I? There's every day walking it out with him. That's the reality. It's not airy-fairy. It's very grounded in who he is. Beautiful. So the things on earth and the flesh might not look like <laughs> going really well, but there's this freedom in the spirit. Amazing. The second one that um, is just so, so life-giving, I find, in everyday life is the joy he gives. And Hosea 2.15 again, just further down, and make the valley of Acre troubling to be for her a door of hope and expectation and she will sing there and respond as in the days of her youth. Isn't that cool? So it's not just in the wilderness she's singing. She's singing in the place where all hell is breaking loose. How does that happen? Is that, is that a thing that I just try to sing and I try to... No, what's happened... You see, she's turned and she's received the tender words. And she is singing out of her first love that is overwhelmingly um, got to come out, out, of, out of her because she, she's responding to the one who's redeemed her, the one who has loved her out of that place where she was in and didn't actually want to know him and has brought her into this place of intimacy. We all good there, Dean? Sorry about that. Heart attack? (laughs) So she's not singing because everything's going right. She's singing because of things that can't be taken away. She's singing because she has found her home in Christ. That she's free. She's free. She's unentangled from this now. And she is attached to him. She has, he is her life source now. And, and life in him doesn't come and go, ebb and flow. It's this constant river There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. 
she shall not be shaken. Psalm 46. This is what he is, this is the life that he's bringing us into. All of us, he is luring us into this. It's the most beautiful thing. So for me, songs are, it's songs in the night. I'm waking up a lot. Chris is waking up a lot. But it's songs. It's like, and it's just that listening and, you know, it, it back to our pit. I've heard some people say, well, you just praise yourself way out of the pit. You don't praise your way out of a pit. He lifts you up out of the pit. You praise and you have a song because you have your feet on a, on a rock now. Isn't that beautiful? You can't praise your way out of that. But he lifts you. Because otherwise it's like this work of the flesh thing. It's not. It's the spirit in us that just bubbles up. And this it comes through relationship. It, it's not a thing we sort of have separate from him. It can't possibly be that. It's coming out of intimacy. It's coming out of this relationship. It's coming out of having heard him speak tenderly into a heart. Yeah? It's the most beautiful thing. Intimacy. <laughs> if that was beautiful, this is the best. This is the best. If we can get the revelation of this, and this is something that has only just started to really take a hold in my life, and it has changed so much of everything, this is so powerful. Greg often says our view of the finish, the finish line, determines how we run the race. And this is the finish line. If we look in Hosea 2.16, in that day declares the Lord, you will call me my husband. You will no longer call me my master. Remember, he has allured her. He has spoken tenderly to her heart. He has led her into the wilderness and given her vineyards, and she's responding with her first love. Now we see the ultimate reason for all of this. He is looking for a bride. It's an intimate marriage relationship he's looking for, not one of master and slave, not a relationship built on fear and punishment, but of love and faith. The closest relationship known to mankind where two become one, where the very nature of God and his oneness is expressed with his creation. This is the ultimate and most powerful aspect of the life he longs for us to come completely into, to know him, to know him as he is. In fact, that's his explanation of what eternal life is, remember? John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you. This is Jesus speaking about the Father, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
It's the very definition of eternal life. So this intimacy, this closeness with him, this hearing his voice, the, the joy and the interaction that's happening. If you have a chat to Chris sometime, you'll find that that's his testimony. He has spoken about knowing God's love more in the most acute pain than he has ever known him in his whole life. That the relationship is defining his life in a way that it never did. There's a beautiful verse that's very special to Chris that I want to share um, that speaks of this. It's the same kind of picture of the woman. And it's in Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 5. Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her husband? Isn't that beautiful? She's coming up out of the wilderness, leaning on her husband. Everything has changed. Isn't that beautiful? His ways and his righteousness. This is the last thing. I haven't got it up here, but Hosea 2, 19 and 20, it says, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. So in this intimacy, this way that God does it, remember his ways are not our ways. This is his way I'm speaking of. He betrothes us to himself in his own character. He forms himself in us. It's not us trying to overcome our flesh to become better or to reform ourselves, to live worthy of him. No, his ways are not our ways. He's had to bring us out of that. His way of transforming us comes from his living word doing the work in us. Thus, he speaks tenderly into our heart. See, it's his ways. It's all about him having access to our heart to build us and to speak into that place and to form Christ in us. And our part is the surrendering, the responding, the speak, Lord, I'm listening. Like the lady in Hosea, our response can only be of humility before him, welcoming and hungering, wanting to receive his words and his ways into our heart, into our innermost being. We become poor in spirit, for we have seen and experienced God's tender mercy, his grace and kindness towards our stubbornness, our pride and our self-effort. The story of the adulterous wife and how God responds to her is one we see repeated through the Bible. It's our story. It's my story. It's the journey he takes us on to find his life through his tender mercy, his words, relationship, 
in his way. In Deuteronomy 8.3, it talks about it in one sentence. He did this with the Israelites coming out of Egypt through the wilderness. It says, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna that you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand or literally to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So this is life. This is his ways, his beautiful ways. And I want to just spend a bit of time listening to a song. Um, It actually is the song of Hosea, these particular verses of Hosea taken out, I think, He's used the message Bible. And I just want us to allow God to continue to speak. So maybe last Sunday, something really shifted inside you. Or maybe there was a sense that you were a bit fearful for him to do what you felt like maybe he wanted to do. I don't know. Everybody, everybody gets a feeling of what's happening in their heart, whether it's free and open and, or whether it's resisting. But I pray that through this song, we might spend time now just letting him speak into that. Remember, he is alluring us and speaking tender words into our heart in this place as we are still And take time just to hear him. And I just want us to meditate on the words of this song. And um, Rochelle's done some beautiful pictures that go with it. And we'll just, um, we'll take it from there. Thanks.